Say something patriotic. We'll be right back after these messages. Well, the years start coming and they don't stop 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 coming and they Tilt's Ogre. I'm usual host, Will, and joining me as per usual is my good buddy, Matt. Hey, Matt. Hey, Will. How's it going? I'm fine. And also joining us again is our good buddy, Chris. Hey there, Chris. Hey, happy Tuesday. Happy Tuesday to you as well. And also, happy Thanksgiving to all of our listeners. I, I imagine this episode will be available either on Thanksgiving or maybe a couple days afterwards. I, yeah, I, but... think, I think it'll be on. I think I'm going to edit it tomorrow. So All right. I'll drop it on. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, if if it is Thanksgiving or the day before, gobble gobble, happy uh, Thanksgiving, and I hope uh, you and your loved ones are staying safe, hopefully social distance, but, um, you know, yeah. In any case, uh, we're joined once again, this is our 11th episode of the year, and as we were doing the last 10 episodes, we're here to discuss yet again Larry Crown, the yep. sophomore film of one Tom Hanks uh, as a director, at least, obviously he's done a lot of films as an actor, but, uh, yet again, we join forces to talk about his 2011 sophomore film. And, uh, I don't know about you guys, but I think this is my favorite viewing yet. You think? Yeah. I, I think I got the most out of this viewing, even though it's our second to last. I, I, I think it really, really settled in for me in a way that I wasn't anticipating. Was there anything like specific that stuck out this time that set it apart from the past ten viewings? Um, I I just think I understood what Tom Hanks wanted this movie to be, and I I I live in his world now. I've seen this eleven times. And I'm like, okay, I understand logic. I get what Tom wants me to think. I understand Larry Clown Larry Crown's motivations. I I'm in it. I'm with it. I am. I am. I am Larry Crown. Oh, <laughs> I'm I'm Larry wow. Crown. No, I agree. Um, it, it's, I think, something about like the, the the zeitgeist of November has kind of really solidified for me what uh, the film Larry Crown stands for. And um, there's like there's it's like it's like comfort food. Like it's, it's it's about togetherness. Yeah, yeah. I mean, everybody in this movie is just so nice. Like, and I know I've said it like pretty much every month um, since we started this 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 season, but. Like it just it, there's like there's a feel goodness to, to most of the characters in this movie, like the camaraderie. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Maybe it's here's just a theory. I'll pause it, and you can feel free to disagree. But perhaps with the tumultuous U.S. presidential election behind us now, uh, things are getting a little nicer. The world's getting a little brighter, and so the brightness and happiness of Larry Crown really resonated with us all this month a little well, more than it had been before. Well, as I've discussed on the show before, I feel like Larry Crown is in its essence what Tom Hanks saw America to be during Obama's first term. So in a sense, we are ushering in a kind of return to the Obama era with Joe Biden's mm. presidency. So in a sense, we're kind of returning to the worldview that Tom Hanks envisioned for Larry Crown. So I think by being closer to that world perspective, we are in a sense getting a better idea of what Tom Hanks wanted this movie to be in essence, returning to that 2011 state of mind. Right. Yeah. And you kind of get this now that we're finally in this exhalation of the latter half of November, it's, it's really exemplified in how the story of Larry Crown you know, he, he's picked himself back up. Like he's got a new start. Like he's got, he's in this rut, you know, the economy has got him on his, on his knees. As a bloodbath as he, as he says. A bloodbath. Yeah. Times are tough. (laughs) And, uh, you know, he's like, you know, things are going to be okay. Like you get that set, like at least, uh, about a third of the way through the movie, you get the sense that everything's going to be fine. And, uh, that was a really nice feeling to kind of experience in this movie in, in a way to mirror what we've been, you know, seeing the last week or so. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to overstate it because I think, in essence, uh, Larry Crown is uh, at least somewhat of a failure. <laughs> but I, I, I do think, I, I think there is a sense of 
good-heartedness to the film and a sense of camaraderie like you were suggesting, Chris, that I, I think hopefully we're going to be uh, a little bit closer to than we were in the last four years. So hopefully we can uh, return to that sense of uh, decency and... Uh, and wonder. Yeah, and uh, uh, sense of uh, elation, I guess, or like the the warm sense of possibility that the movie proposes. Uh, maybe we could get closer to that world perspective again that that we felt, or at least some of us felt, uh, ten years earlier. So, yeah, yeah. Right on. Well, uh, with that out of the way, uh, Matt, do you want to go start? Do you want to start with your notes? Sure. Yeah, I don't have a ton of notes this month, um, but uh, oh yeah, I don't know if I just haven't noticed this before or what, but. The part whenever Larry um, trades the TV to Cedric the Entertainer's mm-hmm. character, is it just me or is that part edited really strangely? Oh, it is. Yeah, I mean, very, like, very much. So. They, <laughs> they don't address it. Like he's just like they're they're haggling over the bike, mm-hmm. and and then he's like, "Hold on, just a second. And then it just cuts to a shot of him carrying the TV mm-hmm. towards the camera, and then it doesn't. It just cuts to the neck. It cuts to him on the bike. Like you never see Cedric the Entertainer. Like, oh yeah, yeah. sure. I'll do, like. I don't know. Maybe that's a, actually a good thing because it, it's like you know, good editing where it's it, it get in late, get out yeah. early, rather than well everything. Because a lot of this movie is you know obviously as we talk about the over the top explanatory of what's going on. Yeah, I oh. mean, I, th- I oh sorry, Chris. Oh no, go ahead. I was gonna say I think I might have implied this in April, but. It does seem like a lot of these shots go on for like a few seconds too long. Like with that yes. shot, like if it if they had cut it like after three seconds where we just see him like walking in with a TV, stumbles over the bush and then back to him talking <laughs> to Cedric, like it, I think it would have been fine. It would have been kind of funny, but it plays yeah. out for like 15 seconds. <laughs> yeah, so exactly. It, like it just kind of like ends and it's just like, oh, okay. Like it just, it just needs to be a little bit sharper, I guess, to really stick the landing there, but it just goes on too long. So, yeah. Well, yeah. And I yeah. think, I think I mentioned it before, but like, I don't, I don't want to be too classist, but I feel like that 32 inch TV that he contributed to the, to the payment on the, on the moped. Like, yeah. I, I feel like Central the Entertainer's character probably has like a much nicer TV. Like he strikes me as like a 72 inch kind of guy. Wait, in 2011 though? Uh, maybe. I don't know. He's really good at hacking. Uh, so. I mean, we've said it before, but Larry Crown is the definition of modest, uh, even though he lives in a fancy house by himself. I, th- I think he, he prefers to keep things uh, at even keel. And, and you know. Oh, Chris, are you saying Larry has a nicer TV? No, no. Cedric the Entertainer's character has a nicer TV. Oh, like, he, okay. he, oh like, I see. Well, he's like, going to sell it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's true, I guess. I, I guess he wasn't like going to make it as his own. No, no, yeah, oh, yeah, like, he's gonna sell their crown TV. That's, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I didn't even yeah. think about that. I was like, oh, he's like, I'm gonna take this TV uh, for my house. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I think I, it's we've said it before, but I mean, Cedric the Entertainer's character, if he could, he'd sell the shirt off his back. Like he'll sell anything, uh, you know, short of his house. I think because then he can't have garage sales anymore. But right, yeah. Um, yeah, whatever you get for it. Yeah, isn't that what he said? What he says right. to uh, Larry when he's talking about how much you're gonna sell this furniture for? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, yeah. we also talked about how, like, how this movie is kind of like out of sorts in terms of the time period. Yeah, mm-hmm. it it feels like I, I, you know, I mentioned uh, way back in January that this movie is like early two thousands f, and uh, you know, and then Willie said, "Oh, that's 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 ironic considering it came out in twenty eleven." Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and you know, that we talked about typewriter stuff like. The, the, the technology and the time period, like everything just feels weirdly out of sync. In this movie. Yeah. Even the GPS is like an old GPS. Yeah. I Magic didn't think Genie. we were still using those. Yeah. I didn't think we were still using those in 2011, but I could be wrong. That's like a 2005 GPS, you know? Yeah. I think GPS were still a thing in 2011, but um... well, they, they were, but I don't know. Like that brand looks like an older one, but I could be wrong. Yeah, well, I mean, as we've said before, I mean, I don't want to reiterate the point, but this movie seems to live basically in, like, this, like, 90s, 2000s world, like, basically 2005, where, like, everything is, like, slightly off-kilter, but, like, it has that sense of idealism and stuff, like, kind of that perseverance of that time, too, uh, mixed with that kind of cynicism that was coming in. Uh, yeah, it's just a weird perspective to to view in a 2011 mindset let alone a 2020 mindset but alas right. that is larry crown yeah 
it's just nice to even 11 months in still be noticing new things about this movie. Yeah. I mean, you know, um, you know, I, I think, uh, I, I think that's true. <laughs> I don't know what, uh, I, I, I don't know if we have, uh, I guess I'm undermining your point because I, I don't have more to contribute to that thought, but in any case, <laughs> um, you know, we're getting there. Um, on the, you know, we talked a little bit about the election earlier. Um, hmm. this is more of a reference to the 2016 election, but, um, Rami Malek's character, I noticed this time around, um, when he makes his first speech at the beginning of the movie, um, says applause, please, I think, mm-hmm. or something along those lines. And it reminded me of Jeb Bush's please clap. Oh, of course. Yeah. And then in, at the in during the finals, when, uh, Larry Crown does his whole like spiel where he like, you get the, the nice, the nice, uh, um, slow zoom and all of his friends, he's. Mm-hmm. To them, and then at the end of his his speech, he says, "Applause, please." Mm-hmm. So kind of oh, does up. he? I didn't even yeah. catch that. So it comes full circle. Well, I mean, as we all know, this is Jeb Bush's favorite film. So <laughs> right, uh, right. I I think that he actually got the inspiration for "Please Clap." From uh, Larry Crown because you know he watched this movie, he feels inspired. He's like, you know, I feel like I'm learning with them. I feel like I have mastered the art of speech sheets. And then right. you know he 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 gives that speech and it's devastating. He's like, oh man, you know what would Rami Malek do? What would uh, Steve do in this situation? And he's like, applause. And he's like, please clap. <laughs> yeah, no, and I like I like the the dichotomy that you established. Like when Jeb Bush is talking. Like you can see that he he got his orator skills and his his um, mm. all of his kind of like mannerisms on being a speechmaker uh, yeah. from uh, Julia Roberts' class in in Mary Crown. Yeah, he's like, what would Mrs. Taynot tell me? Or Taino, excuse Taino, me, Taino, Taino, yeah. Taino, excuse me. What would Mrs. Taino say if if I if she saw this speech? She'd give me an F. I can't get an F, you know. And he he and he'd spiral from there. But um, you know. Yeah. Uh, well, um oh well yeah my next note is that the um uh, i know we've talked about it before but i just once again i can't get over the editing on the diner scene is the, the first diner scene. Yeah, i was gonna I say you have to clarify yeah yeah is insane <laughs> like everyone is in an extreme close-up there are never there are no shots where there are multiple characters. Everyone when they have a line, they're the only person on screen. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a testament to Tom Hanks's directing skills. He wants everyone to have their moment. Like he he's like, <laughs> you know, I I've I've worked as an actor for several years. You know, I mm-hmm. I understand what it means to go to the movies, to know you're in a movie, and then just to see you in the corner and your parents look upset because, you you know, Johnny's on the big screen. So he wants everyone to have a moment. He wants Meryl Streep to be happy when she sees Grace Gummer on the screen and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Moving on. Uh, oh, yeah. Spectacular. Spectacular. Sp- spectacular. 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 Uh, the handshake scene where um, I can never remember what the boyfriend's name is. Dell. Um, Dell. Yes. Uh, I mean, when they're when they when he shakes hands with Larry for the first time. Yes. So strange. Um, it's such a f- intense scene. <laughs> it might be the most intense scene in the movie. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we've we talked about it to death at this point, but it's like the movie can't decide if they want its character to be meaner or nicer. Like, it seems like Tom Hanks wants to become an aggressive, kind of an antagonist figure, but he's like, I can't have a bad guy in my movie. You know, I don't want bad vibes. I already got Brian Cranston here talking about boobs. I can't, you know, I can't be pushing it. People yeah, might have like a bad time. The character is like waffling between being an aggressive, jealous boyfriend and being a total cuck. And, uh, I mean, I would say unless he's, if he wasn't more aggressive then he automatically becomes a cuck, but you know, I I said that back in, in, in August, I believe. So I, I I don't wish to reiterate what I said there before. Kind of wild that we keep remembering the specific months that we said these notes. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's, it's the Larry crown effect, you know, you kind of get these milestones in the season. Yeah. I mean, Larry crown, as we all know, is all knowing, all, all consuming, and he takes everything in, and once he learns it, he never forgets it, like economics. So exactly, he has that in common with Garfield. It's, that's yeah. that's very true. 
Um, but... So I wanted to mention, like, um, I wanted to go back to, to what you would, what, to your conspiracy theory from uh, the other month, uh, Will, mm-hmm. about um, Larry Crown's problem with social distancing, especially in regards with, you know, uh, unfortunately, the way things are going right now in the world, uh, the, you know, social distancing and, and the way that Larry Crown totally mm. disregards that. Of course. Well, I mean, I don't want to harp on this point too much because we talked about it several times before um, and I know it made Matt cry on in September. So, uh, you know, keep this in mind. But uh, mm-hmm. as I've said plenty of times before, I firmly believe that uh, Larry Crown is patient zero and uh, that that it's only been apparent because his name is Lance Corona. Uh, you know, implying that the coronavirus is none other than his own virus. And, you know, he set this into the world because he wanted everyone to experience the unemployment that he felt in this movie. Uh, and he, you know, he wanted, even if he had a college education, he wanted people to know what it felt like to be unemployed in a time of recession. And then obviously, um, you know, uh, Tom Petty found out about this and he, he had to make the, the difficult decision to kill Tom Petty in 2018 uh, in order to you know prevent this news from spreading, but alas, as a as we all know, back in March, uh, Tom Hanks his plan he got he flew too close to the sun and he gave himself the coronavirus, uh, resulting you know in a, a failure of his own imagination. But um, alas, I mean, you know, Tom Hanks is a method actor. You know, um, yeah. I remember uh, when I saw on CNN that yeah. he um, he used a voodoo ritual to conjure the soul or the ectoplasm of um, Mr. Rogers himself to be able to more accurately portray him in um, in uh, um, uh, a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Beautiful day in the neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. Like, I always get that movie mixed up with uh, "Won't You Be a Neighbor?" My neighbor. Sure, but, sure. You know, like well, it's um, yeah. He he plucked the ectoplasmic Fred Rogers head out of the sea of souls, and he absorbed it. And and you know, it's just like it's the things that, that, that Tom Hanks does to better exemplify the roles he wants to do and and i think that that this just might be his uh uh this might be his crowning achievement you know yeah oh no pun intended or yeah. was the pun intended i don't know no it wasn't actually i oh, just realized well, that uh, well then applause please yeah i didn't yeah i didn't realize <laughs> it was an pun until you said pun intended, so. <laughs> you know well i've been thinking about this theory since you pitched it yeah um, well, I hope not and, too much because you, you you got pretty violently yeah. upset last time. No, but. I know, and that's well, that's why I've been thinking about it a lot. Um, and I I think I finally have figured out what my problem with it is. So uh, it implies that Tom Hanks is a bad guy. Well, that aside, um, and that because he is your father, that that you inherited some of that evil yourself. Right. Yeah. Uh, but it's more it's more that. So your theory is positing that Tom Hanks decided to infect the world with a virus. Yes. And made a movie hinting at that in 2011 Mm -hmm. and then waited nine years to actually do anything. Well, I mean, you know, it's about foreshadowing. You know, you can't you, you can't you can't rush these things. But also. It was a matter of like he thought this was going to be like a franchise, like he thought the word of Larry Crown was going to spread, and with that the virus. But then it tanked at the box office and didn't get any good reviews. So his plan was foiled in in 2011. So he had to wait about 10 years for it to to really come into play. But you know these these I mean, things it, take time. It sucks because I was really looking forward to Larry Crown Infinity War, and um, now we're not going to be able to see that. Well, I mean, maybe now that, you know, everyone, the Corona is the word that's on everyone's lips, you know, now Larry Crown is going to be like, hey, you know, Lance Corona, that's me. I think that that, Lance Corona Infinity War has a better ring to it, and I'm still going to hold out hope. Yeah. Well, I mean, Lance Corona uh, Infinity War would be obviously the Spanish title, so that's what they, they would be selling it primarily to the Spanish language audience. Yeah. So, yeah. I'll drive my ass down to a Seven Eleven and buy that DVD. I don't even care. Okay. Uh, it seems like our racial politics are, are skewing pretty close to uh, uh, the movie Larry Crown, so maybe we should uh, move on from this tangent. But um, <laughs> uh, Matt, do you have any more notes besides that? Oh yeah, I've got a few. Oh. Um, I think it's pretty neat that Larry is only in two classes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, he basically, like, the logic, as I think we discussed before, is that, like, 
he's basically in like summer college, like where you just kind of like take a couple classes in between work. But that's yeah. just that's just what what community college is in this world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, was he wearing a wig? Have we gone over this? We might have said this before, but is he? I know. I was thinking about wig? this too. I don't think we talked about it. Um, yeah. No, I I think he has hair plugs, like um, Tom uh, Hanks. Okay. I mean, not to like you know reveal the secret. Or anything. Wait, you mean in real life? Or... Yeah, no, I mean like legit in real life. I think Tom Hanks has hair plugs because you know, uh, uh, what's the same? Jim Hanks is bald, and right. like you know, like and if you like look at like Tom Hanks and like uh, like Splash or something, he like you know, it, it's not like he's bald, but he's like kind of balding in that. Mm-hmm. And then well, like, like Colin you know, Hanks has tons of hair, so like Tom is. But like that, but that's he's the great equalizer. But but hair comes from the mom genes, so like I don't know who Colin Hanks mom like his his mom is but he would get his hair from that side of the mom hanks yeah mom, mom, like mama mom hanks jeans. yeah that they're quite comfy but um yeah no I, I i believe and this is also i mean if this is 2011 this is coming off a few years after um da vinci code where he like messed up his hair for that yeah. movie and i don't know if he's just still like the only <laughs> messed up a lot of him. things for that movie oh yeah you aren't <laughs> kidding but um but like, cause like he usually has like curly hair, and I think he like strained it for a few years, and then like this is like the after effects of that. Um, so well, I, I'm I think... more just thinking that because like, he gets the haircut halfway through this movie, and yeah. and post haircut he it looks becomes, more like yeah, the, yeah the Tom Hanks that we've known for the past nine years. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm wondering if he was wearing a wig or if this was actually just when he got a haircut. I don't know. Well, I mean, when he gets the haircut, he becomes Tintin. Because um, he gets a little like the spike no, up. I got and, it. Yeah, yeah, I got it. <laughs> um, or it becomes Matt Serafini that that period when you had your hair like that. I remember. Yeah, the the like roughly six months before yeah. the pandemic hit. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's how you know um, you two are related, right? Um, um, the haircut scene fascinated. That whole scene, I've I've talked about it plenty of times, but I have to talk about it again. That scene just fascinates me to no end, because like. You know, it's like uh, uh, Larry Crown is like highlighting his whole book, which I guess is supposed to be a joke, but it's not really presented as one. And then out of nowhere, these two, like, I mean, he, he knows who they are, but like they just start barging into houses, like not knowing it's Larry Crown's house. Just like, oh, they, they're very trusting here. And they like stoop into the house. Like, what is their intention? Are they like going to just like check it out? Were they going to steal something? I don't know. But then they like, oh, it's Larry. You know, that's where you went. And then, you know, it's just like <laughs> quick. You're gonna get a haircut. It's like you need a haircut, and t- you know, Larry Crown. I mean, I think we can we can probably presume that Cedric the Entertainer was like, oh yeah, Larry probably went into his house. It's right there. But we don't know that. I mean, we just. I think we can assume it. We're not stupid. But I think he didn't because uh, he was so caught up in the art of the deal, where like he was like selling his um, whatever Tupperware thing. So like he was just like so caught up in that that I only think he cared what the other people on the mopeds and scooters were doing. He was just like, I got, I got to land this deal. Like that's all, that's his only thought process at that time. So I don't even think he thought about, um, you know, what was going on at at Larry's house. (laughs) So maybe, I don't know, but I mean, we talked about this plenty of times, you know, I don't want to talk about it too much, but it just, I don't. And then, you know, like, and then she's just like, I'm going to like change your whole house. (laughs) And then more people start coming in and just, um, it's just, just a truly bizarre scene. <laughs> it just yeah. goes back to what you keep, what you keep, we keep going back to is that how Larry doesn't actually make, he makes barely any active choices in this whole movie. Yeah. He well at the beginning of the movie he does he 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 loses his job from Rob Riggle. Well, that's not his um, choice. That's that's something that happens no, I know. to I, him. I know. That's that's not. Let me finish. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he loses his job and then after that he like takes the initiative and goes to several places. Yeah. To try to get a job. And then he, that doesn't work out, so he takes the initiative to go to college. And I think that's the last decision that he makes for himself in the whole movie. Pretty much. I mean, well, yeah, I mean, he chooses the classes, I think. But, like, it's heavily suggested by that guidance counselor, uh, Bowtie Man, as we, we call him. The um, dean, right? What was that? Was it the dean? I think he's the dean of students yeah. or something, yeah. yeah. I mean, as we refer to him, Bowtie Man. I mean, that's what mm-hmm. I've been calling right, him. Right, right. I always forget what he does. He just kind of wanders in classes and... Well, I mean, as we all know, like this, this is a college where I think they have like five classes all together. So he just yeah, got like, total. 
So he just kind of like moves on in every now and then to the other class. Just like, hey, what's going on here? It's it's also very important that the classes in this college either have 10 students or 300. (laughs) There is no in between. Well, it seems like economics is like their like key thing because like, well, at least economics one, like economics two is like way uh, there's way less people in that class comparatively. But, um, you know, uh, yeah, for some reason, it, the like arts class are just severely either underfunded or just people just don't care. They have a bad reputation. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, in well, any case, I mean, since we're talking about the economics class, is it Takei time? I think it's Takei time. time. Take, yeah. Oh, my. <laughs> um, um which I'm so upset he doesn't say that in this whole movie, but you know I digress. It's disappointing. Yeah. Well, I mean, they even—I don't know how I missed this ten times, but they make a Star Trek reference in this movie. Mm-hmm. And like, how are you going to make a Star Trek reference in a movie that George Takei is also in, and and not comment on that? Well, it's because uh, you know Takei <laughs> wasn't in that scene. What if that was like a deliberate choice? Uh, Tom Hanks is like beefing with George Takei. You know what? I'm gonna make a, a Star Trek reference and not involve you at all. <laughs> I'm gonna <laughs> reference Star Trek in an elaborate scene. You're not even gonna be there. <laughs> yeah, like it just—it feels like a waste. Like you I think he know. should have popped his head? It's like I know a thing or two about oh, Star Trek. Yeah, maybe. Maybe he's observing. I don't know. Well, I think it actually would have been funny if he was just like, "I love Star Wars." Yeah, or like 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 implying that he doesn't know anything about Star Trek. What's Star Trek? Luke Skywalker is the best character in modern yeah. cinema. My favorite Star Trek character is Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't do a bad Takei. Oh well, thank you. But um, is it Takei or Takai? I never know. I think it's I do it Takei. every month. Takei, I think, I think it's Takei, okay. but I I could be wrong. I I'm not gonna say it with any certainty. Um. Well, I um, oh so Frank's, I you know we we've we, we've been watching it and it keeps yeah, looking Frank's restaurant, to me. Or I, Frank's diner. I forget it's a diner. I finally figured it out. I actually drive past this place all the time. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. It's I'm surprised it took you eleven times. But <laughs> I know, but you know, that's how it goes sometimes. Yeah. I think it's because I. I mean, obviously, I haven't been driving a lot this well, year. Yeah, no, that's totally valid. But since I. A, a couple weeks ago, I had to do a bunch of driving to make some deliveries for work, and um, I was driving through Burbank, and I like saw it, and I was just like, "Oh, that's what it is." And yeah, so I knew it had looked familiar, but I, I finally figured out why. Um, what else? Do you guys have any notes? Anything to share? Any observations? Um, do you guys think that Scooby Doo looks kind of weird in this movie at certain times? There's a couple parts. Yeah. It popped out of me. Yeah, I don't know. It's just sometimes, like, the animation seems, like, very crisp and clear. And then other times, it's, like, kind of rubbery and off. I, I just I, didn't quite get that. It looks better than Garfield, you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, we've said that. But, yeah, I, I would have to agree, ultimately, even though it came a year before. But, oh, well. It's a texture thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I did mention uh, last month that it's weird that, like, everybody orders from the same pizza place. Right. Well, I mean, yeah, like I've said before, like I, I like to imagine that in Tom Hanks, you like there's only one store of everything in town. Like there's a library and there's a police station and there's the pizza place. And then like the script supervisor would be like, which pizza place? Just like, you know, the pizza place. Yeah. <laughs> Where they get the pizza. It. And it also seems like the the pizza place has like everything. Yeah, they have those, um, what do you call it? Those um, Cinnamon eggs or whatever? Yeah, cinnamon. Yeah, I don't know why they're called cinnamon eggs, but um, <laughs> they look good. I mean, they look delicious to me. I don't know about you guys. Yeah. I, was, I was craving some, some cinnamon eggs. It depends on what's inside the cinnamon eggs, you know. Oh, my. Well, you know, they have those Cinnabon, cinnabon Delights at uh, Taco Bell. That, yeah. That, have you guys ever have those? They're, they're excellent. Yeah. Oh, they're well, amazing. I was, they, they discontinued yeah, I was thinking, them near me. They discontinued them? Near me. 
I don't know. Oh, your mileage I mean, may vary. Taco Bell, but... Taco Bell did nuke their menu a couple months ago, so like I'm actually kind of low key boycotting them right now. I know. Rest in peace, Mexican pizza. Ugh, I never even got to try it. Oh, and, and they... so good. The thing I'm most mad about is the shredded chicken being gone. I, yeah, you know, I can't have my mini quesadillas I love... anymore. I love that Taco Bell's like menu strategy is basically like an angsty teen when it comes to music. It's just like, I thought you're really into country music. Oh, that was six months ago, and it's just like that's right. like their menu strategy. It's like I thought you had the ch- uh, the crunchy chicken burrito. It's like, oh, that was two years ago. It's like McDonald's. <laughs> I'm over have, that. McDonald's have their spicy chicken nuggets and their um, their spicy sauce with capacitan extract, and then. It was so it's such a good spicy sauce, and I went there one day and it's like, oh, I want the nuggets, spicy nuggets with the sauce. Like, I don't oh, think uh, uh, we discontinued that. I don't think extract should be a word used for food ever. <laughs> I mean, um, there was a whole movie around it. Vanilla extract. I I it just doesn't sound. It sounds like weird to me. I'm <laughs> sure. Uh, but I digress. That we're anyway. getting on a tangent. Yeah, um, yeah, we are. Where 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 were we before this? <laughs> Chris was uh, talking about pizza. oh pizza yeah I was gonna pizza say yeah those those uh cinnamon eggs they as always they just look so delicious yeah um and they're, yeah. they're that 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 uh that uh that the plastic container thing was really classy looking you know you use that yeah for other it, stuff. it's basically like the pizza place went to Umart bought the <laughs> uh <laughs> and then just brought them over but um wait can we talk about Umart have we have we talked yeah. about that yet. Not, I mean, you know, weirdly, we have yeah. barely touched on it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, we've talked about before. I think, Chris, and your theory is that basically that the yard sale is basically putting Umart out of business, which is the reason why uh, Larry Crown actually got fired. And, you know, that's why uh, uh, Cedric the Entertainer's character feels a certain sense of residual guilt about him losing his job <laughs> and helps him out throughout the business. But I don't want to Oh, say yeah, that's where he gave him the lotto tickets. You're right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, Is there ever yeah. any payoff to those lotto tickets? Nope. Uh, well, there was going to be in the sequel, but uh, yeah. right, right. Uh, yeah, Larry, everything here. Larry is... Crown Winter Soldier is never going to happen. So yeah, I mean, they keep establishing things that would have been paid off in the sequel, but you know, they just never happened. So it's like the Golden Compass. It's just like they assumed Larry Crown Two, Larry Crown Three was going to happen. And they just never did. Yeah. Oh, um, sad Charlie Brown noises. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I mean, humor seems like a very, it's, it's, I, I like movies that have this sort of, or movies and shows that have this kind of very broadly defined role of, of, a, of a store, right? So like the, the, the NBC show Superstore, like the store sells everything. Yeah. And I love right. that show. Um, and you know, yeah, I was thinking about seems, Superstore this time yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Umart also has everything in. It's just like, um, you know, one thing that always jumps out at me, and I think I mentioned this before, but I can't remember, it's where uh, where Larry Crown is, like, talking to no one in particular, where, like, you check every right before you clock out. It's not it's not just your job. It's, it's Randall the Park. Right thing to do. What? He's talking to Randall Park in well, that scene, I think. He's talking to Randall Park. Yeah. He's talking to Randall Park, but he's talking as if he's training somebody. Which is what he, I thought was happening. Yeah, that's but, what I thought, too. But Randall Park clearly knows the whole... Um, Oh, you're right. <laughs> the whole thing about about because Larry always of the month day. Month. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like he's like, it's employee uh, of the month day, and he like smiles and was like, "You got this again, bro." How many times is it? And then it's like, okay, so he's, he's not training him. So who's he talking to? <laughs> well, I think I've posed this before, but do you think that scene was actually written for two employees, and they, and Tom Hanks was just like, "Yeah, save money. We can just have this be one character." But like, there's still like that after effect where it's like. Their character, like it's meant to be two different characters. So, like the the first one that Randall Parks was supposed to be playing is like the new trainee. And then the other one was supposed to be, hey, Larry, you know, like some like you know peppy girl or something. It's just like you're gonna be employee of the month again, and then end up just being the one person. So there's just, like this weird like <laughs> disassociation. Like Will Poulter was hung over and didn't come into work, and so yeah, you know, it's just Randall Park. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> I can I can do both lines, <laughs> no problem. Yeah. <laughs> um, we haven't really touched on um. Uh, Miss uh, Taino. 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 And well, her, I, her husband, Walter White. <laughs> right. My, um, Jesse, actually, my, 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 I first... have to watch porn. <laughs> <laughs> That's Jesse. like alternate universe. Walter White is like, instead of cooking meth, 
he out is obsessed with boobs. Well, like uh, basically like softcore, uh, light pornography. <laughs> yeah, but like not even like re- like new like like either like some like like a hustler magazine from like the early eighties or like Betty Page. <laughs> just like swimsuit pictures. Yeah, yeah. And he just he he doesn't even go online look at him. He just like has them in a folder. He has them downloaded <laughs> on a hard drive. <laughs> um, I. So, yeah, my next note actually involves Julia Roberts' character. Um, Tino. Yeah, Tino. 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 I'm going to order some Tino. 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 Yes. Um, Tino Corny. (laughs) Wow. Um, I, so... I this viewing was a little weird in that about halfway through the movie I got a phone call from my friend Ben who actually we had on uh, last year to talk about Garfield. Mm. Yes, yes. Um, and uh, he, we we <laughs> we talked for like about twenty minutes or so, and it like it, it kind of interrupted the momentum of the movie a little bit. Uh, and so when I came back in, I, I it was it was like I said it was pretty much right halfway through and i think it was whenever julia roberts was breaking up with walter white um is it just me or is her heel turn on larry himself like in incredibly abrupt oh it is absolutely yeah she goes she i don't know how i maybe it's just because i never had the interruption but with having an interruption there it's like one half of the movie she doesn't give a crap about this guy and in the back half she's like all of a sudden completely enamored with him yeah it's that scooter i but, guess so yeah. but he's riding the scooter early in the movie and no, she but, doesn't but she wasn't on but she wasn't uh, she wasn't on the scooter she didn't get the full experience yeah before. you didn't get the full experience you're riding on the scooter and hugging tom right. hanks and if that doesn't she didn't, make you yeah. love, love tom hanks nothing will and you know um tom petty wasn't playing on the soundtrack at that point and it just wasn't mm-hmm. Wasn't the full Larry Crown experience yet? She only got the like half Crown experience. She got the half Crown leaning into your car to mm-hmm. fix your GPS experience. Yeah. yeah. Um, I I just have a note that says, "Why is Ramy working on a car in this scene?" Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I've always would. I didn't want to be the first person to ask about that, but yes, <laughs> I've noticed that since There's... the first viewing. It's like all of a sudden this. Whose car is he working on? Right. And Why he, is he working on it? Well, Why is it never addressed? Total dingus. Like he has no. There's nothing to suggest that he understands cars and how to work on mm-hmm. engines. And then all of a sudden, he's like a total gearhead in this uh, garage sale scene. Yeah, I mean, I think yeah. I think the implication here that might have been deleted uh, in a scene that wasn't included in the film was that he's actually working on that car for Lamar Cedric the Entertainer's character. And, like, you know, he just somehow got roped into fixing a car. Like, hey, while you're here, you happen to know anything about mechanics? He's like, oh, well, no. Like, my brother, d- oh, well, that's good enough. And just, like, starts to work on the car. But he's not really doing anything. He's just basically doing, like, what a kid thinks a mechanic does, which is just <laughs> have a big screwdriver and just, like, start pulling on, like, one gear. Like, he's not actually doing anything in the car. <laughs> um, yeah, like, I, 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 I would like so that. Weird. Like, he's working on the car the engine with his wrench. like, look, the, the steering wheel's kind of loose. And, or like uh, uh, he like starts screwing on and just like a huge bad oil just like flies in his face or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> yes. You know, guys, we can um, do, we can write the Larry Crown. We can write the Larry Crown sequel. Yeah, we, without yeah. Tom Hanks, we don't have the the power. We can he, get in touch with Tom Hanks. I mean, you know, did he write this by himself? No, no he wrote, he it, wrote with, it with um, Nat. Uh, Nia Vardalos. Uh, she's the Nat Wolf. Uh, the lady that wrote and starred in My Big Fat Greek Wedding. Yeah. No, no, I know. I was, I was making a joke. Yeah. Oh. Um, <laughs> well, you can cut that out then, I guess. Fine. Uh, you know I'm what? Gonna, like, I'm going to uh, leave it in. You know, I had COVID in March. Uh, uh, right. Tom Hanks had COVID, so I, you know, mm. we're, we're officially uh, <laughs> COVID Eskimo brothers. Yeah. And so maybe... You, uh, you, you are Larry Crown. I am Larry Crown. You're Lance yeah. Corona. <laughs> I am Lance Corona. You are Lance Corona. I am Lance Corona. 
Yes. You know, I would actually probably take an art of informal remarks class. Yeah, no, totally. Uh, what if you took like, the class and you said a formal remark? It's like, uh, excuse me, what what did you just do? And he's like, oh, just, no. Did you say a formal remark? <laughs> get out of my classroom. Yeah, get out of my class. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't even, I don't know if I just haven't been paying attention, but for the most part of this year, I've been watching this and just assuming it was a public speaking class. Um, but watching this last night, I like actually paid more attention uh, and, you know, that's on me, but maybe it's because of uh, anyway, um, they, 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 she says like art of informal remarks and i was like oh you know what that would actually be kind of helpful for like small talk at parties and stuff to be able to like artfully remark informally yeah aurora borealis (laughs) oh is that why you were saying that yeah that's why i've been saying it this whole year (laughs) who says it again uh i forget your name it's that it's a lady she has like one other line before this and just like her talking about lance's haircut and I, I I don't know her name. I I forget what her motivation was, but she's the one that talks about Aurora Borealis. Is it the, Is she the one who's the mom from Wizards of Waverly Place? Possibly. No, 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 no. It's the other. She's like, I don't know how to describe her because she's like, she's like a blonde lady, but she's not Meryl Streep's daughter. She's somebody else. Oh right. right. The one who's like pasta. Yeah. I think so. Yeah for for the class only being like eight people. It's kind of funny that four of them we straight up just never actually meet. <laughs> <laughs> just like background characters. Yeah. And we're here. Yep. Um, uh, speaking of which, there's a couple, I noticed a couple different shots in this movie that are pretty out of place, just like almost filler on the college campus. One of them involves, it's right after Tom Hanks takes his last final in George Takei's class. Um, and it's just it just cuts to him and his classmates from the other class that he's in just kind of walking down the quad and laughing (laughs) and then it it, (laughs) 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 and then there's another one where um bow tie guy seems to be leading yeah he seems to be leading a bunch of people in like yoga yeah. including Rami Malek. No, Tai Chi. They, they established tai Chi. this. Yes. They he, established that? Yes, they did. I mean, you should know this by now, but um, at the beginning of the movie when he's like, I recommend the Tai Chi class or something like that. Oh. Yeah. They, you know what? I missed that. Of course, he would recommend the Tai Chi class that he himself is Right. You know, exactly. Yeah. Well, it's still weird that they cut to it with no explanation. Right. I guess is it just to signify I mean, it's a new semester? Yes, basically. Okay. Or that... Uh, peace has been restored in the campus yeah because you know it really was not peaceful yeah. before yeah. um there was conflict i, I have <laughs> the threat just, of conflict <laughs> i have just um i think two or three more notes well i mean i was gonna say i mean basically when uh, julie roberts got divorced like every problem in the world was basically solved like Larry right, crown right. has a job there's you know, world peace is established. Uh, there's no more hunger. Uh, you know, like the the economy's back to normal. It, it's just like he. It, it it that was the one thing that was holding everyone back. Is uh, we've never really talked about. Go ahead, Chris. Oh, to say yeah, the one thing holding him back was uh, uh, Miss Tino being married to Walter White. <laughs> right. Um, we've never really acknowledged the fact that Larry mentions uh, early in the movie that he doesn't want to work in food anymore. Mm-hmm. Um and then ends up just working it's in just, food anyway yeah. and and that's just it they like the movie ends and he still just works at the diner I guess maybe that could be set up for the sequel but well I mean I think what the implication here is that he didn't want to work in food again but then he was talking in class about making restaurant quality French toasts he's like mm. you know I it, it like I, awakened I, something in him yeah he he just remembers like oh yeah like yeah. I'm a bad boy when it comes to the French toast. <laughs> that's my domain. That's my domain. And then he's just like, I gotta get back in the restaurant. So that's like why he's he goes he tricks the uh, other motorcyclists to go to that diner so he can get a job. <laughs> <laughs> um, there is 
something kind of sitcom-y about the scene kind at the of? end. <laughs> right. There's something really sitcom-y about the scene at the end in Frank's um, where whenever uh, Julia Roberts comes to the restaurant mm-hmm. um, and it's like all of the characters are here and they all have something to say. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and also like everyone in the restaurant is now somehow like blindingly attracted to um <laughs> Julia Roberts. Like, you know, they can't yeah. even think straight. <laughs> yeah, but she, he like he goes to talk to her and and uh what's her name? Talia is there and she's like, "Oh, Larry, blah blah blah." Like it's <laughs> it's it's like <laughs> fever dream like Yeah. Um, yeah. Every every woman in this movie wants the mate with Larry Crown and <laughs> after the second half of the movie every man wants to have relations with uh Julia Roberts it's just it's just the <laughs> physics of the world yeah uh just two more um one of them is that the uh, you know the credit sequence in this movie really doesn't fit it it's weird do you guys agree or disagree it's it's weird yeah i mean i i i really this time love how bad all the green screen shots are with um, <laughs> anytime they ride a scooter, like him yeah. and Julia Roberts, it just like, it's very obvious that they're doing like that, like studio thing of like, you know, Tom Hanks is just like holding his hands out and being like looking out and then like, you know, like doing that, like, like, like basically like the wicked witch riding her bike in the wizard right. of Oz, just like, you know, like, <laughs> pan- <laughs> yeah. like that's how he rides a scooter. <laughs> like yeah. scooter. Yeah, but I don't know. It's just it just like tonally is it feels like it's for a different movie. It's like really psychedelic. It, yeah, kind of has a sense of like look at all these fun times we've had together. We've had like decades of riding oh, yeah. around on this goddamn scooter. You're hanging out, and, <laughs> yeah. And then, like it's like um, not what happens in the movie. Yeah, yeah. it's like it's, <laughs> it's, it's it's like it's like the credit sequence is for a different movie. Yeah, yeah. and uh, I mean it's a high bar to reach, but easily the most awkward scene in the movie. Because it feels like Tom Hanks and Julie Roberts don't know what to do in that scene, which is weird because Tom Hanks is a director. So right. it's like, like yeah. there's like, like for some reason, it's like someone else decided to direct that day and just like, well, what are we supposed to do? It's just like, well, just pretend you're on a scooter and we'll figure it out in post. What if it was like a, a Sin City situation where like they bring in Quentin Tarantino to direct one scene as a guest director? Well, but in this case, it's Robert Rodriguez. It's Robert Rodriguez. It's the inverse of Sin City. No, it's, it's, Ron, it's... it's Ron Howard. Ron Howard directed the, <laughs> the, 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 the credit man. sequence. Yeah. A scene with no dialogue. <laughs> mm-hmm. He's just like, well, we worked so well together on um, the Da Vinci Code. Splash <laughs> and the Da Vinci Code and Inferno that didn't come out yet and Angels and Demons. <laughs> um. Okay, my last note, and this is one that I've been kind of sitting on for a little while, uh, because I kind of wanted to wait to see if I still felt this way after a while, and I and I think I finally have to address it, which is that, excuse me, um, I know this is a comedy, but I really have a t- yeah, but but I really really have a tough time buying and suspending my belief that. Um, is it Dell? Is that the guy's name? Yeah, the boyfriend. Wilmer Valderrammer. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. That that Dell would be threatened by Larry Crown. Again, I get that it's a comedy, but like even that for me is just like a step too far in terms of suspend your disbelief. Discuss. Well, uh, I mean, Wilmer Valderrama is like five foot eight, and then how tall is Tom Hanks? I don't know more. Yeah, let me check. Um. I'll have to look it up. Do you up. think it's a little man thing? Maybe. I just think, like, I mean, for one, like, like Tom, Tom Hanks, Hanks is six feet. Oh, is he six feet? So he's yeah. not that much taller, I guess. Like, no. But he looks taller in the movie. Like, it looks like he has, like, platforms on or something in a lot of his scenes with, um, with Vilmer Valderrama. Um, but, uh, what were you going to say, Chris? Oh, I was going to say that, you know, it's Tom Hanks, you know, mm-hmm. who's not three. If if uh, you know Tom Hanks was starting hanging out with my girlfriend, I'd, I'd start to you know I'd have some well, reservations. I think that Lance Larry not Larry Crown is kind of like the one character that Tom Hanks plays in Cloud Atlas during that scene where you know like where he throws that guy out the window. You know remember yeah. that scene? Yeah, where the it's Russian. like 
Yeah, where it's like if you like test him, that that's who comes out. And like Wilmer Valderrama, Dell can like feel that energy, and it's like. <laughs> so you're like, saying that uh, Larry Crown has like this dark side of him, which is yeah. the Russian dude from Cloud Atlas. Exactly. Yeah, and he's like, <laughs> if I get on, the, like he can like kind of like foresee it because he's like, like aware of the presence. Like he's like, I've been around. I've I've driven my motorcycle plenty of places. I know when there's like bad chi and somebody, it, it just waits to come out. And he's like, if I if I push Larry too far. I'm not making it out alive. <laughs> yeah. Sure. I've never seen it. Oh, I thought we saw it together, Matt. Nope. Oh, wait, no, you weren't. Yeah, you were still in high school. But... No, see, quite out. Uh, it's really yeah. freaking good. It's about the true true. True true. I, I, you've referenced true true many the times. The true true. I always want to watch it for that reason, but yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so long, true-true. right? Isn't it like. It's three hours, yeah. It's like almost three true-true. hours long, yeah. That is the true true. Plus, you also get um, you, you get um, Hugo Weaving in Asian face. Yeah, in yellow face. Ooh, and I believe uh, Halle Berry as well. A lot of characters get nice. yeah. different varieties of face in this movie. But um, the uh, guy from Twenty One, there's a poster of him, <laughs> <laughs> which just goes to show you that Twenty Twelve was a different time. Yes, but it was. Yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, those anyway. are all my notes. Um, yeah, I mean, it's getting that time anyway. Yeah, yeah. that is true. But you know, I I I, I like feeling. Or let me let me say this <laughs> again. Similar to uh, Larry Crown, I feel like I kind of like the bask in things and just like let it soak in, mm-hmm. and, and, yeah. and and overstay our welcome a little bit. Um, sure. but not like in a threatening way, just kind of like, you know, I'm, we're just vibing. Um, so hell yeah, I'm going to do that right now. Just vibe. Yeah. Yeah. Ding, ding. Applause, please.